Well, it is finally here. Hello, and welcome to episode 50 of the Vegan Business Tribe podcast with myself, David Pennell, co-founder of Vegan Business Tribe. And if you have a vegan business or you're just thinking about starting one, then Vegan Business Tribe is here to support you and to inspire you, not just to build a vegan business, but to build a successful business vegan business. And can you believe that we're now 50 episodes in? And I'm going to get a little bit emotional here if we're not careful, because when you start out with a podcast like this, you never really know if you're going to reach these kind of milestones, especially if, like we did, you decide on a weekly podcast format. So will you still have things to talk about after a year? Will you still have the energy to get up and make it? And will you have actually picked up any listeners along the way? And it seems that the answer to all those questions has so far been yes. And so to celebrate, Lisa and I asked our members at Vegan Business Tribe what they would like to hear for episode 50. And more than one person came back and said that they would like to know more about actually running a successful podcast. So I could have just given my experience of launching and running a podcast, but with this being our 50th episode, and in a way, it's Vegan Business Tribe Podcast's birthday as well. So I thought it'd be better to have a few guests join us at this party. So we are indeed going to talk about how to have your own successful vegan podcast in this episode. But we've brought together three vegan podcasting legends to join us and give you their advice and experience of podcasting also. So this is a special hour and a half episode and in a moment I'm going to be joined by my three guests and the first of those is Katrina Fox who is the original vegan business podcaster and in fact Katrina's vegan business talk podcast that was the show that I binge listened to when Lisa and I were first thinking about launching a vegan business. We're also going to be joined by Jim Moore from the Bloody Vegans podcast. And Bloody Vegans has also just hit a milestone with his 100th episode. And then our final guest is one of our own Vegan Business Tribe members, Hayley Akins, who hosts the bi-weekly Motion Hats podcast. And that helps motion designers and creatives better understand the business side of that industry. Now, if you have any interest at all in launching your own podcast or maybe you've already got a podcast and you're looking for those tips on how to keep that momentum going then this is truly a brilliant session for you and as always if you prefer to watch instead of listen then we've also got the video recording of this session uploaded to the members area of the vegan business tribe website so If you want to see what these legends look like in person, then just head over to veganbusinesstribe.com. 
And whilst you're there, I can't really start the 50th episode of this podcast without mentioning our members, because our Vegan Business Tribe members, they are the people who allow us to keep putting out this podcast every week and keep producing all our content, and they are just the most amazing community of vegan businesses that you will ever come across. And if you do have your own vegan business, or you've just got an idea for one, and you want to get support, not just from myself and Lisa, but hundreds of other members who share your ethics and are on the same mission as you are, then I would love to have you as part of Vegan Business Tribe as well. Now, you can join Join us as a free member just to get access to our weekly content, but you can also join as a full paid member to get access to our events, our online networking meetups, our business clinics with myself and Lisa, and all our online courses and collections too. Or if you really love what we're doing and you want to support this mission, then you can also join us as a patron to give that little bit extra just to help us keep championing the vegan business scene around the world. So just head over to veganbusinesstribe.com after you've finished listening to this episode to find out more. Okay, so let's get into this now. So to celebrate Episode 50 of the Vegan Business Tribe podcast, we find out how do you have your own successful podcast? Now, in today's session, I am joined by three amazing vegan guests. And the thing that they all have in common is that they are all hosts of their own successful podcasts. So because we're all podcasters, that kind of sets the performance bar really high for this session. And I'm expecting some really polished verbal performances from all of you today, because today... We're going to find out what happens when we bring together a group of vegan podcast hosts to talk about podcasting. And that includes starting a podcast, finding guests for your podcasts, and more importantly, how you can use a podcast to attract more potential customers to your vegan business. Because recent research shows that over 70% of the population are now familiar with podcasts as a medium. And that's brilliant for us here today. But here in the UK, Ofcom data showed that half of all adults have listened to podcasts, with 25% saying that they do so regularly. And I know that in our own um, Vegan Business Tribe polling amongst our members, we found out that about 70% of our members said that they'd listened to business podcasts. So it's no wonder that so many people are now getting in on the podcasting scene as a way to engage with an audience. But before we go into that, however, let me just go around the room and quickly introduce our three amazing vegan guests. And let me just start with the original vegan business podcaster, who I have to admit is one of my biggest inspirations, and that's Katrina Fox. And Katrina, I've no idea how to introduce you. Do I call you a journalist, an author, a podcaster? <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> I was going to actually introduce you as ABBA's biggest fan. So <laughs> how would Ooh, you introduce yourself? I'm probably close. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, my background is journalism. So I think once a journalist, always a journalist. So I'm a journalist, a PR consultant, content marketer, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business, um, animal activist, vegan of 25 years, 
the sequin loving disco queen and as you say big abba fan and i'm so excited about their new album <laughs> you know so that's how i should have introduced it and, and katrina <laughs> absolutely and katrina is the host of two podcasts so the vegan business talk which i think is up to about episode 170 or something like that now i think so yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely but also the new conversation with vegan women's leaders podcast that i think you started earlier this year if i'm right uh, yeah, I think the be- about the beginning of the year. Yes, yeah. so that's the baby one and the vegan business talk, which has stopped and started. And I'm sure we'll get into that as we talked kind of over the years. I probably should have a lot more episodes of that. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying them. I love podcasts because I actually like listening to podcasts because you can, particularly with the audio ones, you can multitask um, and kind of learn while you do other stuff or be inspired while you do other stuff. So I'm really glad that you, you're doing this. I think it's fabulous. So thanks for having me. No, thank you for being here, Katrina. And I'm sure we're all going to learn a lot from uh, yourself throughout this session. Um, second, I'd like to introduce Jim Moore from the Bloody Vegans podcast. And now the Bloody Vegans podcast, it's a podcast for vegans and the vegan curious. And now, Jim, I think you're also well over 100 episodes now. 104 episodes. Yeah, can't believe it. Time has flown. Absolutely. And for someone who's not found your podcast yet. So what does Bloody Vegans cover? Well, I suppose the, the, the uh, originally it, it, it was supposed to uncover some conversations that I was starting to have. I was relatively new into at least the vegan uh, community. I, I'd been vegan a couple of years, but hadn't actually, I didn't actually meet any other vegans for a, a good like year or two. And when I when I started to, I kind of thought these folks are really interesting. There's lots of amazing stories out there, um, and yet the the kind of mainstream conscious says you know all vegans have this viewpoint on the world um and and i just i wanted to challenge that really and ultimately say there are so many people with so many different viewpoints and so that ultimately is what it does it, it aims to spotlight the individual's journey um from the start of uh, of their kind of vegan um curiosity right through to where they are now in whatever you know either business venture they're in or creative venture uh, and that's that's kind of really it Absolutely. And I think we forget sometimes how isolating it can be for some vegans. I mean, you know, myself and Lisa, we're, we're very lucky. We're both vegan ourselves. We surround ourselves with vegans every single day. But for a lot of people, um, especially if you've got a vegan business, you might be the only vegan that you actually know. Absolutely. And, and I, like I say, I, I very much encountered that. It was a good couple of years. And even then I had to kind of put myself out there to, to get to know anybody. It was... Um, uh, volunteering for the Reading Vegan Festival uh, to to host the, uh, the the guest speakers area, um, that actually was probably the first time I'd met another vegan outside of my own family, uh, and and so probably the third vegan I met was was Fiona Oakes, which was she was one of the guest speakers, which was kind of like an incredible person to meet, and I and it, that's it, like it, the equivalent of meeting <laughs> a thousand vegans, Fiona, because she, she's been vegan for like forty five years, and exactly. she's amazing. <laughs> It was genuinely like, uh, like, I mean, how how fortunate is this? I, I think it set the bar almost pretty high for for, for other vegans. But uh, thankfully, I think everybody kind of meets that bar in their own way. I think everybody's story is just fascinating. I'm genuinely curious to 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 learn. Brilliant. And thank you for that, Jim. And again, we're going to really look forward to hearing you know, about some of those stories as well later on. And then my, my third guest on this panel is Hayley Akins from the Motion Hatch podcast. Now, interestingly, Hayley, you are a vegan podcaster rather than the host of a vegan podcast. But the reason that I really wanted to get you in on this discussion is because your podcast, it's a niche industry podcast that ties directly into your business, doesn't it? 
Yeah, so that's right. So it's called Motion Hatch and um, my business is an online business called motionhatch.com and we help motion designers with the business side of things. So probably everyone listening to this is like motion design, that's not related to veganism, what's happening here? But um, basically I was a motion designer and then I started my podcast out of the need to help people in that industry to be better at business and things like that. So I guess you can kind of imagine it like a bit like what Katrina's doing, but sort of for designers and creatives and things like that. I hope to, in the future, um, work on some more businesses to do with veganism. So it's kind of exciting to be here. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited to share any knowledge that I can basically about podcasting, because I think it's really cool to help and inspire other vegans to do awesome things. Love that we've got someone on the show who's not hosting a vegan podcast because I think that's a good message to get out, Dave. And I'm sure you're going to put out there that just because you're a vegan, you don't have to just do a vegan show. Uh, you can be a vegan, you might have a speciality or just want to talk about anything from sci fi to, you know, any anything. So I think that's great. I'm looking forward to hearing what Haley's got to say and learning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got so many vegan businesses that don't lead with veganism. And this is something which a lot of people wrestle with, you know, so that's very much why I wanted Hayley to be part of this discussion. But Hayley, I think you're just coming up to episode 100 as well, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, it's incredible that everyone here is uh, either nearly 100 or over 100 episodes. I mean, I don't know if you know, David, but most people who start a podcast don't even get past 20. So I mean, really, I feel like it's incredible and uh, it's really inspiring as well. And I, I can't believe that I'm almost 100 episodes. It's, it seems crazy. Absolutely brilliant. And just as I said, I'd like to thank you all for giving up your time to be part of this session. Because as I said in the introduction part, podcasting, it's just a really powerful way to make a connection with your audience. But if you've never done, just as we're touching on there, if you've never done any kind of recording or audio editing or presenting before, then the idea of actually launching your own podcast, it can be quite a daunting prospect. There's so many questions, you know, from what equipment do you use through to what do you talk about? And how do you find people to talk to? Too. So hopefully we're going to have a go at answering some of these questions over the next 45 minutes or so. But because we've got so much experience in this virtual room today, I also want to get some tips for those people who, um, just as Haley was saying there, who've maybe already taken that first step and they've got their podcast on the air and really want to know, gosh, how do you all keep going? <laughs> I remember by the time we got to episode 20 of a Vegan Business Tribe podcast, that novelty value of recording and editing, that was really starting to wear thin by that point. So, so let's take a step back and just start at the beginning. And I'm going to come to Katrina first with the first question, and then I'll come to our other two guests in turn. But I'd be really interested to know what your motivation was for first starting your podcast. And now that you're into triple figures with how many episodes that we've all got online, if you think that having your podcast has actually achieved what you thought it would. So Katrina, how and why did you first launch Vegan Business Talk? Okay, so um, basically I wrote my book first. <clears throat> so I wrote my book called Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. And as part of that, I interviewed over 60 vegan entrepreneurs from across the globe. Now, because my background is journalism, interviewing people, sharing stories, uh, it's been a big part of my professional life and I also really love it. So when the book was out and I was doing the program, I thought, Oh, because I, I about half the interviews I did were like either video or audio and the others were written. So by the time I'd done, I thought, oh, I miss interviewing people. And then I thought, 
I know, I think I'll start a podcast. I'd love to give you this like, oh, I had a business plan and blah, blah, but it wasn't. I just thought, oh, I could start a podcast and then I could carry on interviewing people and, you know, sharing the story. So that was my motivation for it. Um, And in terms of um, what I hoped it would achieve, (laughs) to be honest, I didn't really know what it would achieve. All All I knew was I really love interviewing people and I always learn something from doing the interviews and I thought that other people would be inspired and would learn um, from those as well. So my my vegan business talk is very much um, an interview based show. I do occasional solo episodes, but mostly it's interviews and it's very practical. I find out from people what were their challenges in running their vegan business? How did they overcome them? What um, what are their strengths? strategies what are their marketing strategies how do they grow it's a very it's almost like a practical training um and obviously we learn about their their journey as an entrepreneur so I just really enjoyed doing it and I thought that it would be helpful for other people so given that that's a pretty low bar I am aware that's a pretty low bar in terms of you know a business outcome um I would say I've achieved that from the feedback that I've got and can I ask on that, Katrina? So were you a listener of podcasts yourself before you started your own podcast? Yes, definitely. Um, I don't spend a lot of time in the kitchen, as anyone who knows me. I'm a ready, a ready meal girl and I'm a great lunch and dinner guest. But I do make the breakfast, the fresh fruit smoothie, and I do prepare the salad for lunch. And that's my power hour. So I will listen to all sorts. You know, I might listen to occasional vegan podcasts. Um, Victoria Moran, I'll give a shout out because she's a pioneer vegan um, with her Main Street Vegan show. Um, she has a, a good show but I might be listening to Oprah um, you know Super Soul Sunday or Eckhart Tolle I might be listening to a marketing podcast or one about influencers and that's kind of like I can do it while I'm doing something else because you haven't got to look at it you know it's in your ear while you're on the bus or at the gym or having a walk so yeah definitely um, I, I'm a big fan of podcasts myself and um, yeah so I think that probably is partly what what motivated me to want to do it as well. Absolutely. And I think you find that out with a lot of people who launch their own podcasts. They are very avid podcast listeners. Let, let me just take that same question to Haley from Motion Hatch as well. So because your podcast is directly related to your business, did you want to launch a podcast simply to find more customers? No. So the podcast like came first. Basically, what happened was I joined an online community called Location Indie because I was a freelance motion designer and I was um, really interested in like this idea of traveling more and working and having more freedom and stuff like that. And um, this was uh, before I was vegan, I think, or maybe kind of at the same time. I'm not really entirely sure about the timelines, but um, basically I joined that and I was like, oh, this is really cool. It's really helpful. And I loved all of the things they were talking about online business and things like that. And um, from uh, when I first started freelancing, I saw a lot of people out there who were struggling um, to go freelance who didn't know what to charge you know they as creative people we're not very entrepreneurial by nature so um, a lot of people are struggling and you know not really charging enough and all of that kind of thing like I say so I was like oh I'd love to help with that but I don't know what to do or maybe I'm not the right person and then kind of joined Location Indie and sort of the worlds collided a bit and I was like hmm maybe I could you know, help people with this, or I could figure out a way to like merge like this business sort of stuff with motion design. And it sort of came together in my mind. And then I was like, well, I'd like to do a blog, but I'm not very good at writing, you know, and then you're like video, that seems too scary. I don't want to do that. I like, and I was thinking, I hate my voice, but 
you know, um, podcasting just seemed like the lowest. Um, it just wasn't as scary as the other two pieces of content, you know. So um, I think that's why I started with that. I mean, now I'm launching my YouTube channel in a couple of weeks, which is why I have such a jazzy background, if anyone can see us today. But um, yeah, basically, um, it was kind of this idea of the online community stuff coming together with the business stuff coming together with the motion design. And then kind of a niche was born out of that into a podcast and then into a business later. And that's absolutely brilliant, Haley. because I think one thing we talk about a lot at Vegan Business Tribe is this idea of building an audience first and then, you know, building a business hand in hand with the audience. It's perfectly acceptable these days to actually launch a business in public with, with the people you're actually talking to. Let, let me just come to Jim on that one, though, because it sounds like um, Haley and Jim might actually be um, on a similar kind of journey here because <laughs> differently from, from Katrina and Haley, you know, you launched for Bloody Vegans podcast without having that business to direct people to. So what was your motivation for launching into podcasting? Yeah, well, I was just a podcast obsessive, to be honest. I have been for, for years, as long as I can. Well, probably like I'd say 10 years, 10 years or so. I've been obsessed with podcasts. Um, I love the medium. I think, you know, I share like, like, um, like everyone's talked about the, the, the idea of like being able to multitask, the fact that it's, there's this conversation and it feels very intimate, this conversation that's going on in your, in your ear, you know, whilst you're going about your day to day activity, it's like chatting with a, with a friend. And I think the best podcasts, um, the ones that really I, I've been obsessed with for so long have been like I have like there is a relationship there is a friendship between me and the host or uh, the guest that they have on so you know it, was, it started with podcasts like 99% Invisible which is a design-based podcast which I absolutely love and I've always aspired to from an audio perspective being a bit of a geek uh, and loving the technical side Mark Maron's podcast um, WTF which I'm also just an avid listener of and has been been out for years um, uh, th those really were the kind of touchstones for me of what great podcasting was and so I, I kind of I guess I think subconsciously had been thinking I'd love to have a podcast one day, but I always felt like you have to have a, yeah, there has to be a, a purpose for it. You know, there's, there's so many out there. It has, there has to be a reason for it to exist. Um, and then I almost well, years later, I stumbled across it in, in hosting this vegan festival thinking that that's it. That's the piece of information that as a listener, I, I feel like I would like, uh, being new to the world of veganism but yeah I had no no business to direct anyone to and actually I think my obsession with podcasting has led me to think of ways to to start a business and and so now I'm in the space of just just about to I'm quitting the day job this Friday actually um, and 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 taking a bold leap into um, into trying to help others and, and the businesses uh, come up with podcasts and take some of the stress out of it so um so yeah, it's it's really podcast first for me, and maybe a business. We'll see. <laughs> we'll that see how it goes. Absolutely amazing! <laughs> I, I, I tell you, I, I'm so happy to be at the birth of this idea. Because you know, we've been followers of yours for quite a while now. You know, and it's it's great to see how you've built the audience. And it's really interesting what you're saying about looking what's already in in that, in that sphere that you're already in. Because one reason that we didn't go into an interview style podcast with a vegan business tribe in the main is because there are already so many great people out there collecting those stories collecting those startup stories those founder stories that we didn't think we had a lot to add to that so we purposely looked to do something different and I think that that's a little bit what you've been doing as well yeah I, I, I mean 
I, I wrestled with that for a while because I kind of thought there are so many better people than me at interviewing. There are so many better people at talking about veganism. There's people with better guests. There's all these kind of things. And I kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, like you can only be you can only be you and in doing what you do you come up with something unique just even if you're trying to absolutely you know plagiarize everybody else's idea you cannot help but be you when you do it and so you will come up with something new and exciting so i don't know whether it's exciting that sounds like a bold claim on my part but um for others to listen to it certainly was for me to create um but i kind of i i, I let that go that baggage of like what about others what what about other people's podcasts and and i feel like it served me well anyway so far in terms of like being unencumbered by you know the the fear of is it good enough compared to others and that i mean it's been it's a slow progress but it's it's built built really nicely actually and i i, I never imagined two years ago it would be 104 episodes in and 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 I've got some of the guests that I've been lucky enough to speak to I just you know feel incredibly privileged really that the vegan community has been so welcoming well this leads us sort of on to our second question now and Jim I'm going to actually stay with you on this one starters off if that's okay but I know that one of the biggest questions that people are have is you know we, we've touched on it and Haley was talking about you know podcasting being the lowest hanging fruit of all the different things you can do but a lot of people have a really big question about how to actually start a podcast because people think that you need access to some kind of studio or you know you've got to have your own soundproof room and expensive recording equipment so how much of that did you have when you started out? Next to nothing, you know, I, I started with some kit I bought off eBay. Um, and even then that was probably overkill. I, I mean, I, I've advised people since and said, do you know what? If you've got a phone, you've got a computer and you've got a set of plug-in headphones that have got a built-in mic, you can make a podcast this afternoon and it can go live. Like there, you can go from there. And then I think you steadily build over the course of time. You, you start to inquire, you start to think, okay, so that podcast sounds like that. Why does it sound like that? Why does that com that host sound just a little bit more intimate and a little bit more bassy and so on? And, and even if you don't get into all of that and you're not into all, it doesn't matter. I do think genuinely some of, some of my favorite podcasts don't sound great. <laughs> No, like the content is absolutely king in this in this in world for me you know as a podcast listener i think if you've got good content people will listen to lower quality audio and then you can build you know i i think don't let my my advice to anyone is like don't let these kind of things restrict you or be a blocker just make something just do something create something and then go from there pop you can polish you can edit you can do whatever you like but until you've got something that's kind of like, you know, you haven't started, you've got to, you've got to like push the first, uh, the first boulder down the hill. Absolutely. And Katrina, I'm going to come to you next on the same question. So how much have you had to learn about audio production? Was, was, was that a barrier to starting the podcast? Um, I think what I did was I went on to Google and I found like a whole kind of little training, a free training by a guy called Pat Flynn, who's quite well known in the online uh, business world. And he had these all these instructions and they were they seemed quite simple. And, I, and he recommended, you know, get a USB mic. So I bought a Blue Yeti, which is quite good. Um, it's a USB mic. You just plug it into your computer. But then I had to buy a thing called a pop filter and I ended up having to screw it onto the, the desk. And like, sometimes I'd knock 
pocket and it was a bit of a pain. So now I've got a road which comes with its own attached uh, pop filter. So a pop filter is um, something that goes be- between you and the microphone so that you don't hear the and all those kind of noises. Um, so I've upgraded to that, but that's basically a laptop and that, and then I've had to just work in whatever room I've got. Initially, you know, I thought, oh, do I try and put a paper box over my head? I mean, I thought about it and I thought, no, I just can't. Um, so I, I've gone for, a bit like what Jim said about, um, I've gone for progress rather than perfection. And I think you're right in terms of if the content is really good, people will listen. Having said that, you don't want to be like, you know, ruining their ears with like really awful stuff or that, you know, they're straining to hear you or, you know, sudden loud noises that, you know, burst their eardrums. But, you know, as long as they can hear, it doesn't have to be the BBC, for example. Um, So, yeah, for me, but this is one little tip, though. Make sure you stay on top of um, the new developments because, Pat, when I looked at, this was a few years ago because I started my show a few years ago, I followed his instructions to the letter and then I found out probably about a year and a half ago I'd been doing something such a long way around like I'd been making work for myself Um, and when I found that out when I started the new show I decided to move platforms um, and bring my other one onto this new platform and it's so much easier I'm saving myself a ton of work and of course I'm kicking myself thinking I could have done that years ago so I think it's important when you are learning just to keep on top of you know new developments and 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 ways of doing things but basically yeah similar to Jim I just started with a very basic USB mic I think it was about $300 I think they're about the same um, and a laptop and that was it. You just highlighted there, Katrina, why we never give technical advice at Vegan Business Tribe. You know, because it changes so quickly. As soon as you put that advice out there, it's overwritten by something more modern. And I think, you know, in terms of creating a recording environment, I've basically built... What is a duvet fort in the spare room? And that I use as my recording den. And almost any microphone sounds good in that space just because it, it, it is such, such a dead sound. But let me come to uh, Hayley next on this one. So Hayley, what's your kind of setup at the moment? And has that really changed since you first launched the podcast? So I'm using the same microphone. I, I did a lot of music stuff. So I had a little bit of knowledge. I have got like an XLR microphone instead of a USB one and I've upgraded my uh, gear and stuff like that I think the biggest thing for me which maybe we'll go on to talk about this but is the editing side of it so I've never edited my own podcast which I think you know is out of the reach probably of most people because I was a freelance motion designer and I had lots of clients and work on I was like you know what I'm just gonna pay my friend to edit my podcast. He was a podcast editor. I paid him to do it. I made that investment from the beginning because otherwise I knew that I wasn't going to um, be able to do it. You know, I was, I wouldn't have carried on basically. I wouldn't have got nearly to hundred episodes if I was editing my own show. Um, so, I mean, if maybe if you can delegate sometimes, like you're making some money from it or you're making some money el- elsewhere that you feel like you can, and you know that you're not going to be able to do that can be, like reasonably affordable to hire someone to do that so I think that could be a good thing but obviously it's not right for everybody and the other thing that I feel like we haven't really mentioned with the whole like how to get started thing is how to do a good launch I think like that was really what led to my success so what I did um, was kind of build like a launch team around my podcast. So I got everyone into a Facebook group who I knew who was a motion designer. So if you were doing a vegan podcast, you'd be like, 
all the vegans I know like come into this group you know and we're gonna do this thing and it's gonna be really cool and like have like a pre-build-up to it and all that kind of thing and you know reward people for helping you out and and spreading the word about your show and and try and get in touch with other people and I would recommend definitely trying to record at least seven before you get started because you'll soon work through that backlog and try and batch record things as well and and just build relationships with other people who are influential in your space I feel like the getting started stuff for me is much more around that than actually the tech because that doesn't matter as much and that is so great Haley, because I think so many people they forget that their time is valuable and, you know, you, you could easily spend half a day trying to, you know, edit something that you're not really useful, used to the technology for, where you could hire somebody for, for very little money to do it for you because, you know, they're doing it in a really short amount of time because that's what they do as a job. Uh, let, let me just stay with you with this, Hayley, for, for a moment. Um, and let's go, go on to the third question I want to look at, because I know in the main that when we talk about podcasts, we, we usually think about the interview format. So each episode, um, the host has a different guest and you know, that's pretty much the podcast. And I know that's the format of your podcast. What made you go with that interview format? And have you ever tried to mix that up? Yeah, so I, the interview format, why I started with that was because um, I wanted to connect with the people in the industry. At the time when I started um, this podcast and this business, I didn't feel like I was the expert. So I was like, how can I bring in other people who will like be able to talk to this kind of thing? But obviously, over time, I've learned a lot of things. And you know, being doing a lot of research, holding a lot of coaching sessions and mastermind and things like that. And then you do become the expert. But when you first start, you maybe feel like, oh, well, I'm not the person to speak on this. And it's good to have other people on there. So I did that and then gradually started to put in some more solo episodes in there talking about things that I felt were important. And then now what I do is I do a bit of both of those things, but I also experiment. So I've been using Clubhouse a lot recently. So we've recorded a lot of live podcasts on Clubhouse. So it's gone out, you know, as live and had Q&A and then it's become a podcast after that and then we've just recorded some of our more casual sessions on Clubhouse as well and then I've recorded some guest expert calls that I do within one of my programs and I put that out and it also doing that kind of thing sort of acts as a little bit of like oh you're getting it behind the scenes and people can see what you do inside your business too so they can see if it's right for them to join a program or a course or something like that. Absolutely. And it is important to keep moving that format around, isn't it? I think some of the podcasts I've listened to, you know, once you've listened to 20, 30 episodes, you know, unless they're getting some really spectacular guests, you you, you do start to drift a little bit. Jim, j- just on that question. So I know that Bloody Vegans, I think it is exclusively a guest podcast, isn't it? I, I know from the episodes, episodes that I've listened to in the past. But how do you keep that format fresh? And how do you keep your motivation going to, you know, especially now you're at 100 episodes? Yeah, it is, it is absolutely an interview uh, format, um, sort of hour-long conversations. Uh, I think, I, I think really you keep it you keep it fresh with the guest and the kind of questions that you can get into. I, like I said, go, going back to some of the the influences that I have, and I still listen to podcasts just as much as I as I did before. Um, what is noticeable with some of those podcasts that I enjoy the most is they kind of get beyond the stock questions that that are asked in every other interview that person's done within the first kind of 15 minutes or so. Now that is really easy, difficult to do, very easy to say. Um, 
but I, I think genuine kind of curiosity, thinking about it from a listener, I almost don't think I'm like, I don't think of it as if I'm recording a podcast to try and approach it. Like I'm, you know, having a coffee with this person. I genuinely want to understand what makes them tick. Um, whether it keeps it fresh or not, you you'll be the judge, but I, I, I am sort of very conscious that, yeah, there are a lot of interview format podcasts out there and I haven't got the statistics to hand, but certainly um i think there is an argument to be said for, for for making your podcast stand out some of the different formats actually are a good way to go if i was if i had my time again i might think about that a little bit more about you know is there a different format other than the interview you know what is i think 90 percent of the the kind of you know apple podcast or spotify's catalog it is that format so is there something else that you know might interest your listener and even like the the length you know like i i typically love a an hour long but you know the world's changing people aren't commuting in the same way so do you do you think differently about that as well you know how people are digesting information when they haven't got a two-hour train ride to to fill so th there's all kinds of things to consider with this and a bit like the technology conversation i think even podcasting is is changing at a, a, a rapid rate you know what was great four or five years ago is perhaps um perhaps you know evolving as we speak yeah absolutely uh, katrina let me come to you finally on this one so i know that you um well both your podcasts they are mainly the interview format but you do occasionally throw in a solo episode too i do sometimes it's because i have to like because i've and i think we're going to talk about formats but because the beginning of this year i decided to do ad Facebook Live and YouTube Live videos because people kept, kept telling me, you need to do live, you need to do live. Um, and it's been really good for me to keep me consistent because I have people schedule it in. So every Thursday at 8am my time, either I'm doing one or the other. So they alternate. So like Hayley, one of my shows is every other week. The other show is also every other week. And it keeps me consistent. Um, and so I'll only throw a solo episode in like somebody cancelled. Um, and so sometimes I'll just go, well, I've got my makeup on. Um, I don't want that to go to waste. I've got my contact lenses in. Um, I will just sit in front of the camera and maybe I'll give them a PR tip or something like that, um, you know, if, I, if I've got the time. But generally speaking, I love the interview format because, and I think that comes to the, the answering the question of how do you keep it fresh? Um, even though my, like, for example, vegan business talk, it is very much a practical show. Uh, so there might be the same or similar questions that I ask, but I often get very different answers because every entrepreneur has got their own story and their own journey. Just, and you're bound to learn something new. The other day I interviewed somebody and I found out there's a new freezing technique. So if you make frozen products, there's some fancy technique that's based on cryogenics. And I thought cryogenics was just, you know, if you want to preserve your own body and, you know, and wake up in 200 years time. But no, there's apparently there's this new technique, apparently digital demos. And I don't know if this is true in the UK, but certainly in the US. And they're not what you think um, are now becoming really, really popular. Um, and so I love learning. So I always learn. And I think other people um, will often learn something. So even if someone is in a similar business or maybe they've got a similar product, like you said, they've, they've all got their different journeys. They've all got their different experiences. So for me, that definitely keeps it fresh. I don't think I've ever done an interview where I haven't learned something like I, I I've been quite lucky. I don't think I've ever done a dud interview. My only dud interview once was when I used to work for the gay press and I interviewed Dionne Warwick and she did not want to do interviews. And it was like pulling teeth. But bless her, because she was Dionne Warwick, I was nice and I wrote a nice article. But I think with vegan business talk, I, I don't think I've ever had a dud interview. Like it's just been so interesting. So I guess that's how I, I keep it fresh. And that's why I do really love the interview format. If I feel I've got something 
to say and I think oh yes this will work for a solo I'll just do it and, and throw it out there but my my preference is the interview format and same with conversations for vegan women leaders and I think I enjoy that one because it's not just practical stuff you know I get to actually really learn about you know people's trials and tribulations and can really quite you know had some quite deep conversations people have been really honest and talked about their backgrounds and you know things that they've overcome so that's much more I guess a bit more of an inspirational one and I think that's a nice balance for me personally um, and hopefully you know people enjoy it as well. And you mentioned there that you've now moved to live streaming the podcast as well. So I'm guessing that actually cuts down on the editing time because I think people are a lot more forgiving if they know that they're listening to something that went out live. This is the thing, the, the thing that it's been good for me is consistency because, look, I'm on what, I think it's 170 episodes. My podcast has been going since, Vegan Visitor, it's been going since 2016. Really, I should have a lot more. But I've had times where, like you said, after 20 episodes, I've just thought, oh, I'm not loving it as much now. And so then, you know, you stop and and all the rest of it. But, uh, you know, and then when I got into the whole thing of like people said, do live video, I thought, right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it every single Thursday. And I've got a calendly schedule. So when people book, they book in. So like I've got interviews booked through, I think, to the end of November now. So I have to get up. Um, you know, as I say, and and because it's video, I have to, you know, put the face on and everything. So if I ever have to do any photos or if anyone wants to interview me, I try to get them to do it on my Thursday because I'm already ready. Um, but it really keeps me consistent because it's they're all pre-booked and everything. So I can't let people down. So it's actually helped to actually get. And even if I don't feel like it, you know, like tomorrow I've got to write, you know, or Wednesday I've got to write questions for the one this Thursday. Even if I think oh, I don't feel like it, it's like, well, it's there. They're booked through to the end of November. I can't let those people I'm not going to let those people down so it's been really good for consistency secondly I think it's been really good for repurposing so it's another bit of visibility so I'm already going to get the audio which is going to go out on the audio platforms but I've also got this you know Facebook live video it's live on YouTube I can now upload it on IGTV to Instagram if I can be bothered um and so it's another bit of visibility it's great for the consistency and like you said with the editing you can just download the audio and you've got it and I do do my own editing but I do it much quicker now and I use something very and this is hopefully helpful to people I haven't got big fancy Adobe Audition or any of that complex stuff I use because I'm on PC I use Audacity which is a free program and basically I top and tail it and I've even tailored my introduction now because with the audio show I've got a pre-recorded introduction with a little bit of music like hey this is Katrina Fox author of Vegan Ventures you know starting growing ethical business but when I'm doing the live video I have to say hello everyone and welcome to vegan business or I don't want to repeat that on the audio so now I've got a thing where I go hello welcome to vegan business talk I'm your host Katrina Fox and then I go my guest is so then I can easily edit that bit out so it just anyway so I've learned little tricks like that to make the editing a lot easier and I just top and tail the interviews generally unless there's a disaster like as we were talking before we came on air I had a massive coughing fit on air with my guest the other day and it was all live video <clears throat> fortunately I just got my question out so I put him on solo muted myself had a massive coughing fit came back just about managed to get another question out had to put him on solo mute myself had another massive coughing fit came back on so I was able to of course I would edit that out I'm not going to subject people who have just got me in their ear you know to me coughing and spluttering so you know if there's little things like that then the audio editing might have a bit more but otherwise it's pretty much a top and tail edit which is um, which is great 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting talking about guests because the Vegan Business Tribe podcast is, in the main, it's a solo podcast. It's usually just, you know, me and a microphone for 30, sometimes 45 minutes talking about a really specific thing. But that takes a lot of preparation. You know, we, we probably spend the full day every single week on writing, recording and producing the podcast. But what I find is, and this will lead into my next question, I think, what I find is that even though that we're a solo show, we still have people contacting us almost every week saying that they're a massive fan of the show and they think that their founder would be a great guest or they love what we're doing and they'd like to put themselves forward for an episode. Um, so obviously, as your podcast grows in popularity, you will start to get people coming to you and you can start to pick and choose a bit more about who you have on the show. So I'd be interested to really know what tips you have for finding guests and also what criteria do they have to meet to be a guest on the show? And Jim, I'll come to you uh, on this one specifically. Um, so you've interviewed a, a wide range of people from vegan activists to, to vegan business people. So how did you go about finding your first guest be, be, you know, before you got that motivation and, and, and that kind of um, that, that, that popularity going? Yeah, so I, I wish I'd spoken to Hayley two years ago, actually, because of the, the piece of advice she gave earlier. And I absolutely endorse that piece of advice about getting seven episodes or so under your belt uh, or at least a body of work before you launch. Uh, I didn't do that. So what I did is um, I decided I was going to do a podcast and I got a really good friend of mine and I thought we'll just have a we'll have a nice chat. Um, and we did that and it was fantastic. But and he said to me, I remember after the conversation, he said, um, so how how often are you going to put these out? And I said, oh, every week. And he was like, are you, are you sure? And I was like, have you, he said, have you got a second guest? And I was like, no. Uh, so I literally had no. I had no guess and it's absolutely ridiculous, but it's now become a, like a thing. Like I, I can't drop a week. So it's whether it's Christmas day or whatever, there is an episode going out. Um, but what I found just, just the naivety of asking actually, it was actually to my advantage that I didn't really know anybody within the community. Cause I, I just came across people. I thought, Oh, they'd be interesting. Oh, he's won a BAFTA or, you know, that like, and I'll just reach out. And I was amazed at how like accommodating people were. I don't know whether it's exclusive to the vegan community. Um, I'd like to think it is. And we're all lovely, compassionate people. Um, but, but I was amazed at how just reaching out to folks who you were genuinely interested in, um, even if it was a no, it was often like a no, maybe later, uh, or a no, perhaps in six months, come back to me. Um, and I did. And a lot of those people, even those people were like, yeah, no, let's let's do it. So I, I think um, people are kind of intrigued by, by podcasts. Generally, they kind of like like the if they've not got one themselves, they're kind of like, I like the idea of being on one. So I've generally found people are, are really accommodating. Um, now, of course, I'd love to say I'm much more planned than I was back in week one. Uh, I'm a tiny bit more planned. I've perhaps got four or five in the bank uh, going forward. But even now, I'm still like, uh, it's a combination of people reaching out like you say as they do and I'm still reaching out to people and, and sometimes getting a no but um, often getting a yes um, and then it's just trying to work out people's schedules and time zones and stuff but um, you know I wouldn't have it any other way I, I, I think curiosity leads me to the to the right people hopefully. Absolutely Jim and can I just ask what percentage of people are actually reaching out to you now and getting on the podcast compared to you know the people you're going out to find? Yeah. Uh, I, I'd say it's probably 50-50. I'd say it's probably as as high as high as that. Um, again, I'm lucky, I think, with the format and the kind of like I want to uncover the the story beneath, the individual beneath. Uh, 
um even if somebody is you know that they, they want to promote something it's quite it's quite clear that that's that's what they want to come on for i think what you know they sign up for the sort of hour-long chat and we tend to go way beyond that and i hope it actually gives them that the appearance actually puts some real context and purpose behind the thing that they're trying to talk about anyway as well as gives me and hopefully a, a really interesting podcast to listen to so um yeah i'd say it's about 50 50 really yeah, which is really interesting, especially for people listening to this who haven't got into that situation yet. Uh, Katrina, what about yourself? Uh, what's your tips for finding guests? Or do you have them just forming a large queue waiting to get on the podcast? I'm lucky now that I'd say probably about 97% uh, people come to me, they pitch me. I'm on some big media databases, so I get inundated and not all of them are suitable. And this is a big tip I really want to give to someone. And I, it took me a while to do this, is to have a page on your website how to pitch and I do it I basically I've got I've got it for both of my shows I describe what the show is and what it isn't because one thing like I will get either publicists or business owners pitching and they'll go oh and I can talk about or my guests can talk about the health benefits of gluten-free it's a business show so I put state very clear this is what the show's about this is what it's not about these are the criteria you have to have been in business at least three years I don't interview startups unless they've had businesses before and they're very experienced business people because it can be quote easy to start a business whether it's a vegan business or otherwise but keeping it going maintaining it um I think you know takes a bit more effort and I think you've got more to share and more to learn because it is you know a, a show where we're wanting people to share their strategies to help and inspire others to start a business um so I would have yeah have that paid I have this is what you need to do I this is what you need to send me I need their bio I need their headshot I need this I need that it is a live stream here is a link for the best audio quality be on the call 10 minutes before we start so we can check that like I've got it all there and then I've got a calendly schedule so once and if so if I get a publicist or a business owner say oh I'd love to be on your show or my guests would be a great fit I can go here's the guidelines and criteria and I just send them the link and then they have to come back and you know send me all that info and then I go yeah okay they look suitable then I send them my calendly link so then they can they can just go and like book the, the slot and so I've tried to automate it as much as possible so there isn't that toing and froing in terms of well you know is it that I mean sometimes I will have to flip back and go is there and that's why I've, again, got the criteria page. If you're going to come on my show, your for Vegan Business Talk, your all your whole range must be vegan of your business. If you have a product range, um, I've had a publicist write to me, and I've written back and say, can you just confirm that the whole entire range is 100% vegan? Yes, she said, absolutely, except for these two products, which have got beeswax in them. I'm like, oh, so of course I've got that on my criteria page. So now I can just flick it back to them and say, read it carefully and then send me back. And it cuts out so much time of kind of, you know, sorting the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. And for vegan conversations with vegan women leaders, the criteria is the person has to be vegan. That's, um, you know, obviously, and they have to be prepared to kind of go quite deep and talk about their trials and tribulations um, kind of thing. So having that, I think, is has just been so good to just have that one place, you know, of, of what the show's about how to pitch what I need from it etc and then automating it with the calendly schedule um, has been really good but yeah with conversations with vegan women leaders I'm tending to reach out um, at the moment but still quite easy I suppose because I you know I know a lot of people and I 
I don't know, I think probably because I've got the other show, I can say, look, well, Conversations is a new show. I've been podcasting since 2015, blah, blah. So, um, and, you know, like you say, if people are, they can't quite do it and it, or it's a no or it's a maybe not yet, um, it, no problem. It's all good. But, yeah, with Vegan Business Talk, Touchwood, I'm quite lucky that they, I, I'm literally not having to look for people but I having said that I probably should um for maybe a bit more diversity on to just to kind of you know have a little nose myself it's just that you know what I mean when it kind of drops in your lap and you think oh yeah they're interesting it, it just yeah that's just how it is absolutely. but maybe for next year I'll, I'll look out yeah absolutely and these are all like you know really amazing tips that I think we all wish we'd have known when, when we started out, especially having that page. I wish you know, I'd but, known when I yeah, started absolutely. out. Like I say, it took me like at least you know two or three years in. I was like Calendly, oh, you know, having <laughs> yeah, I have absolutely. a pitching pay, you know. So yeah, you live and learn. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Haley, let me come to you on this one. So I, I know that a lot of the people that you interview that they're quite niche industry professionals. So how do you go about actually go out and finding people? Yeah, I think my biggest challenge is like everyone's a bit shy and they they almost don't want to talk on a podcast you know because they're like motion designers or they're studio owners or you know creative people and they're like oh I don't have anything to say you know especially around like the business side of things so um because it's quite niche I think it's good because it means that when I do reach out to people usually with a little bit of convincing sometimes because they're a bit scared of going on a podcast uh, they say yes so when I first started I really wanted to get um, this guy on he's called Joey Coleman he runs a really big motion design school online he's like the biggest one so he's kind of you know like a a bit of a star in our industry if that makes sense and I was thinking oh he's never gonna come on you know he doesn't I, I it was before I launched so I was like I don't even have a show yet like he's gonna say no blah 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 I'll, I'll just wait I'll wait till later to ask him like I'll wait until after I've launched so I can prove it. And then my podcast editor at the time was just like, why don't you just ask him now? I mean, the worst thing he's going to say is no. So I was like, okay, I'll ask him. So I went out and I asked him if he would come on the show and he said yes. And I hadn't, I didn't even have any like proof, you know, that's why I was thinking like, oh, I need proof that uh, I've actually got a show. And then that was amazing because actually what happened, he helped me then promote it when it went live because he was, he's just so nice and gracious and, you know, a great person and he has a huge audience. So that really helped me to kick the show off and to also start building my audience that, you know, eventually led to me doing this full time and having um, my online business that relates to the podcast. So really, I'm so grateful that I got over that fear and just said, you know, I'm just going to reach out to him. It doesn't matter if he says no um, and just kind of go for it, really. Absolutely. And I actually think that naivety actually helps at the start. And that's pretty much what, what Jim was saying as well. You know, sometimes just reaching out to people who you've actually, you know, you, you've got absolutely no right to be reaching out to that person, but they say yes. And especially if you're running a vegan podcast as well. I mean, that's what we find at Vegan Business Tribe. Some people um, who, who we'd never be able to get in if we were in any other industry, you know, agree to do things with them because we've got those shared ethics between us. And I think uh, I'm, I'm going to stay with you on this one, Hayley. Just, just, just keep going on this topic a little bit because 
because what I also want to make sure that we really talk about is the business side of podcasting. Because I think the most of the, the reason that most of us keep doing our podcast, and especially with what Jim's doing at the moment, you know, isn't just to educate and entertain. It is because we've got a business side behind that. And I know that we find with our Vegan Business Tribe podcast, just for example, so many of our new members, they start out as listeners to our podcast first. You know, it's right at the top of our marketing funnel. So we're always trying to draw people from the podcast to the website so they can find out that there's all this other stuff going on, you know, beyond the podcast. So Haley, on, on this question about moving people from your podcast to becoming a customer, because you've also got that membership side of your business, how do you find the Motion Hats podcast has become, um, has it become a bit of a recruitment tool for members? And if so, how do you make sure that people actually move from the podcast into your business? Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I think it sometimes is a bit tricky because you don't always have, um, you know, it's like podcasts aren't as really as trackable as say like a YouTube video or something like that. You can normally like directly colorate, colorate it more. Is that even a word? I don't know. But um, I think with podcasts, it's a little bit harder. So what we do is I almost like place ads for my courses and my programs and things like that on my podcast. So I'm like, hey, you listen to this show. Obviously, you'll listen. You want to know like how to get more clients as a motion designer. We've got this brand new course. Go and check it out. You know, that type of thing. Put a unique link so you can actually see like who's going from the podcast to your course or to your mastermind or whatever and we have people apply for some of our programs as well and we always say like where did you find out about motion hatch or how did you find out about this program and uh, you know I'd say probably about 50% of the time it's like oh the motion hatch podcast oh I've been a listener for a while and I think it's um you're building a lot of trust and you're giving a lot of value and you're in people's ears all the time and I feel like that really really helps um, and like you said, like it's it's the biggest at the moment, like, you know, the top of our funnel, the biggest way that we get, you know, turn like leads into customers, I guess. And I never really thought when I started, I didn't think about any of these things, but now I do. And now I'm also moving on to YouTube because I know that there's actually much more of my potential audience that I want to get who are over on YouTube. And also I feel like I can help more over there and, and maybe inspire some of the younger people who aren't yet into design and being a creative yet and help them with the business side of things so they don't have to go through all the struggles that everybody else does. Yeah, and it's great to have that mission behind what you do. And, and Jim, you know, as we've already said, you're actually right at that point of developing a business from your audience. And, you know, one of those biggest things, I think the most successful businesses I've ever known have been the businesses that have built the audience first and then worked out from the audience how they can monetize it, how they can actually create that into a business. So, you know, what's your experience been of building up this audience? Has the podcast, has it, has it brought you other opportunities? Yeah, I think it, it has. I mean, whether it's like book launches or, you know, emceeing other vegan events and bits and pieces like that. And then other people starting to ask about, you know, how did you get your your podcast off the ground? And, you know, can you give me some technical advice? Um, like I said, it helps kind of like my my background before this was a was a pretty nerdy one working for a, a big US tech business. So I kind of um, uh, married the two worlds, if you like, and the people who kind of knew me 
um, knew that there was kind of a, a, a crossover there between the, and so it sort of started to present itself. Um, I, I think you know in this space, I'm much more of a uh, a listener than a, than an advisor. You know, I'm very much at the start of my journey, but you know, as someone who um, is a, like I say, a, an avid podcast fan and has as as often used the discount code given on a <laughs> on a podcast um, and bought all kinds of things with a you know long time listeners will will know about Casper mattresses and Sonos speakers and all the other kind of like things that pop up on podcasts. All of those have been uh, are ruined in my house, fill my house. Um, and and to be honest, it's always it always comes from like developing a good relationship with your audience. You like like I say, like the host becomes almost a bit of a friend. Um, and I think once you're in that space, like their advice is just it, it feels very pertinent to you very real to you so um i think you know these things have started to present themselves for me from the you know flipping that script and and being the, the person perhaps on the other side of it so uh early days and, and like i say in this space i'm very much a learner <laughs> absolutely uh, so have you tried out doing those kind of referral schemes then to your listeners too little here and there little bits i'm very much at the beginning of it like i had a very much a a, a purist mindset around this for for a hundred episodes pretty much and it's only like recently where i've started to think you know maybe i could do something with this i've always thought you know i'm just going to deliver the content no one would want to no one would be interested in in me sort of sharing a discount code or this that and the other and it, it's only when I've, I've started to dabble in it with my own like merchandise that i've made for the podcast and things like that that i realized actually people kind of would and may, maybe there is more of a space for this i think like um uh, like Haley said, if you're a creative type, then sometimes you find this this stuff a bit difficult. Uh, and I'm very much in that space where I'm sort of almost like, is it okay if I perhaps politely ask if you wouldn't mind supporting my podcast? Uh, so I'm still probably a little bit overly polite. Um, so yeah, uh, I've, I've dabbled. But yeah, certainly from here on in, I think having not doing the day job and really throwing myself into this, I've, I've, I have a, you know, a pad full of ideas and I'm just going to try and see what works. And you've now also got that motivation to try and monetize that podcast as well, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Katrina, I'll come to you uh, next on this one. And I have to admit that I first discovered you by listening to your podcast many, many years ago when Lisa and I were first thinking about launching our own vegan business, you know, way before Vegan Business Tribe was an idea. Um, you know, so you never know where these things will lead. But now, have you been able to actually leverage the personal brand that you've built through your podcasting to, you know, actually promote your various businesses also? I guess so. Love it. It's like I feel a bit embarrassed in some ways because, you know, I wrote the book on, you know, how to start and grow a vegan business. But the way I've done it has been I've been guided by my kind of intuition because my background is, is journalism. Same as the two guys, you know, the creativity. Um, and so I guess for me, it's interesting because like like with what Hayley said about the motion design and that was a speciality. Now she's created courses and programs around it with mine. I'm a little bit different because my background is journalism. I'm basically a storyteller. And so what I can teach people is how to get into the media, for example. And sometimes I might even help something, you know, like they can, someone might be able to hire me to help them get publicity, for example, or I could give someone writing tips and stuff. But to create a podcast, like a how to podcast on that for me, I'd be too bored, like to only do that. Um, whereas when I have my guests on, I feel like I'm not necessarily an expert in every kind of single thing. And 
But what I have done, and I've experimented with this, and I'm probably going to need to do something different at the moment, is like when I listen to podcasts, I don't like the adverts. So like I might be listening to my favorite podcast. As soon as there's an advert, I'll move it along because I can't be bothered to listen to it. And sometimes so what I've done with mine is at the very beginning, I'm immediately promoting my book. So I've got the music. Hello, this is Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business, da, 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 little disco music. Um, and then what I was having, I was having these like promo stuff, you know, if you'd like to work with me, go, you know, there's free resources on veganbusinessmedia.com and you can work with me and blah, blah. And I think the promo that I've got now, it's too long. So the, the most recent episodes that I've done, I've actually ditched it. So there's a bit right at the very end where I say you can do that. But I think people stop by then. Like once they've listened to the interview, I think a lot of people stop. I certainly do. I don't generally listen to the kind of end bit. So I probably need to add something in there um, to promote something, but to do it much quicker, like literally a few seconds rather than, you know, 30 seconds or whatever, which I was doing. So, but what I would say is in terms of building a brand, it, you never know who's listening. So even if you've not necessarily, because mine's a very niche show, you know, so it's not like I've got, you know, the Rick Roll type, you know, numbers or anything like that. But what I find is you never know who's listening. In 2019, when I was in New York for the Plant-Based World Expo, I was wandering around the centre and so many people came up to me. I'd never seen them. I didn't know who they were. They're like, oh, I love your show. Oh, your guests are really great. Oh, I really love your podcast. And I'm like, Oh, really? I'm like, well, that's nice. And then, you know, what happens from there is a bit like Jim has said, you know, people ask you, oh, will you MC this? Or, you know, will you be a guest on this show? Or oh, what is it? I mean, sometimes, and this is probably not very good, sometimes people say to me, what do you actually do? in terms of work and then I'm like so now I've got a thing on my website how you can work with me and then so you know so then some PR work will come in some writing work might come in so I guess I have but I probably haven't done it in the smartest way like Hayley has for example Um, and I think that's because I do have a lot of different interests and now I've started you know Beavers the vegan women's uh, leadership network that I run I've kind of got that and I want to turn that into a media brand as well as have the community so I do feel a little bit like I'm 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 pulled in lots of different directions because I'm interested in lots of things um so it's very interesting what what you said about adverts I liked what Hayley was saying but she she actually does adverts for her own business almost in there you know that's what we try and do with a vegan business tribe podcast as well we try and add that little bit of FOMO that you know that fear of missing out to our podcast so I'm constantly saying look if you're finding this podcast useful but imagine what a difference it will make when you actually start engaging with the entire community as well and I think that's you know really useful for trying to pull people through uh, this very much t- takes me into the next question, though, because while we're talking about audience building, another big fear that I think people have when they start their own podcast is how are you actually going to get people to listen to your podcast? Because there is a little bit of a myth that you just submit your podcast to iTunes, and that's pretty much all you have to do. You know, people will find it and start listening to it. But I know that if you search for vegan podcasts at the moment, there are loads, and there are new ones starting every single day, and you'll be lucky, you know, to even get on that first page of results at the moment. So, Jim, let me come to you first on this one. How have you got the Bloody Vegans podcast in front of people? Have you actually tried to go out and market it? Yeah, I think um, for the longest time, I spent an awful lot of time in the wrong places with this. Um, So I I think, you know, it was like I became a bit Instagram obsessed for a bit and like, you know, that that's I'm going to find people there. Um, I've never really become Facebook obsessed, but, you know, I tried all the different social media platforms and um, and various ones worked to varying degrees. Uh, I think Hayley mentioned earlier about 
um, you know, her first guest having a having a big following themselves. I think that kind of thing helps. You know, if I think about, I, I, I sort of turned inwards and thought about my own listening behavior. How do I find podcasts? And one of the things that I often do is I search for somebody that I'm interested in listening to uh, in a particular space. And then you can see there's 10 episodes by different interviewers uh, with that person. And I'll probably, because I'm a bit of a podcast obsessive and they're always on in my headphones, I'll probably listen to all 10. Um, and if I like the host and I like the format, I'll probably go back to that podcast and subscribe and then think, who else did they have? And that then leads me to people I don't necessarily know so much. So I think, you know, leveraging your list, your um, guests, uh, uh, audience, that's important. Absolutely. And then finding the right, um, the right channel, thinking really deeply about where do they live? You know, do they live on LinkedIn? Your, your, you know, who is the, if you could draw a profile of the, the person who you want to be listening your, to your podcast, where do they live? Where do they inhabit online, physically, wherever it may be? And then trying to get yourself in, in that space. I think, um, podcast listeners listen to podcasts i know that sounds obvious but uh getting yourself on other people's podcasts or featured in other people's podcasts who again that have got a similar uh, crossover i think that's huge as well if i think about some of my favorite podcasts it, they've come from listening to somebody else's and they were a guest or somebody name checked that or referenced it um so so those methods i think sometimes are more effective than plugging down what you think is the right wave because you've seen I don't know, some, an influencer on Instagram. And if your audience is there, great. But if it's not, you, you might be spending an awful lot of time um, without much reward. Yeah. Have you ever actually tried advertising a podcast or doing anything like, you know, the sort of social media ads and things like that? Yeah, I've done a little bit of paid stuff, actually. And again, uh, the, the paid stuff I found on the social media platforms hasn't been effective as paid paid advertising within podcast apps. So uh, uh, the, the third most popular podcast app where, where my show features is, is one called Overcast, which some, some of you may, heard, may have heard of. And they offer um, paid advertising and you can target whereabouts, you, you know, that advertising sits as a banner on somebody else's podcast. Um, and that, that's actually been more effective for me personally than, um than like instagram ads or facebook ads you know those kind of things so i've tried kind of all, all of those um uh, but but i've found that podcast like i say podcast listeners listen to podcasts <laughs> that is a brilliant but i i think that's the line i'm going to take away from today as well i think that's something that we all forget when we're trying to put our podcast out there uh, katrina let me just jump back to you for a second because i think you're probably at the point now where you get a lot of organic growth you know especially with vegan business talk but what's worked for you in actually getting your podcast out there I've just put it on social, to be honest. Um, I used to share in more, I tend to share in one group, a vegan professionals network. I'm a co-admin of that Facebook group. So I tend to put it in there. And there are other vegan business groups and I probably should post in there, but I kind of don't. So I tend to sort of put the podcast out there. There's a blog post created. Um, so the video's already gone out on Facebook, which is fine. And then I will also share the blog post, which kind of summarizes and the bullet points. And then I'll put it in maybe yeah, one or two groups. Um, and that's kind of it. Um, and then it just kind of goes out there. But the other way I think to promote it as well, which is helpful, is, is to make sure it's like in your media kit. So in my media kit, I've got like a bios document, like with one cent, you know, I've got short, medium, long bios. You just, you know, you put it in there. Um, in your signature, like in your email signature, I've got quite a long email signature and it's got her host of, but, you know, so just kind of 
putting it in easy places where people just kind of see it and and remember it um and like um jim said getting yourself on other shows um being interviewed um quoted um and it depends like it depends on what your main thing is so sometimes if i'm quoted in the media i think right what do i want them to you know say and so sometimes i might say no put me as katrina fox author of vegan ventures i think i'll promote the book then other times it might be uh you know one one or other of the podcasts or, or something else but yeah there's definitely a lot of organic ways and i haven't i don't think i've done any paid advertising actually um for the show from what i can yeah from what i can remember um, and every now and then, though, like because you might like you might be sharing like episodes, but every now and then you can actually and I'm planning to do this actually as well myself is to to advertise the show. So and what I used to do as well is when I was looking for guests, that can be if you've got an interview format, that can be quite a good way to promote your show, because like I've got a thing, a, a, a page where I can put looking looking for guests. This is the criteria would you like to be on the show, the page I told you about earlier? Um, and then people will often share that, um, you know, say, oh, you might be good on this. So there, I think there's lots of organic ways you can be, you know, putting yourself out there. If you're speaking, you know, and you're speaking at gigs and stuff, like I say, make sure you're introduced like that with, you know, and on the, the speaker pages of, of events and stuff. So there's, there's lots of free and organic ways of getting out there. But yeah, mine's been, to be honest, mostly social um, and a bit of other media as well. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot that you can do because I think sometimes we get a little bit um, lazy in our marketing, not not just on podcasts, but, you know, in general, because there's lots you can do once you've got a podcast. You can atomize that podcast. There, there's some brilliant apps that you can use to create audiograms. And I think oh, some of the yeah. best, you know, some of the best yeah. podcasts that I've found is because I've seen something on social. It's only been a 60 second clip, but it, it, it's got the subtitles on it. So I've been able to read along if I haven't had my audio on. And sometimes, you know, we don't do things like that enough, but they're quite simple to do. Um, Hayley, let, let, let me just come to you because... Um, very much what you're talking about at the start about the idea of launching a podcast, you know, that, that we don't focus on enough. I think uh, most of us do just record a handful of episodes and then put it out there and try and build an audience. But you did more of a launch for it. So what do you actually do to promote your podcast? Yeah, so, well, I think like you're saying, the launch bit is actually really important. And it sounds scary to be like, hey, look at me, I've got this new show, you know, when you're just starting out because you kind of I feel like you feel like you almost want to just like creep out there. You're like, oh, oh yes, here's my, I guess, I guess I'm a podcaster now, you know, that kind of thing. But I think really having like a bit of a splash in the beginning can really, really help. And um, it certainly helped with me because then people are like, whoa, okay, there's this new like podcast about the business side of motion design. That sounds cool. You know, so it was very like lots of word of mouth going around and me kind of asking my friends you know I'd help them out with stuff and then I'd be like hey can you just like help me promote the show you know this is when we're going live can you put it on your Twitter or wherever and if you're in a niche you know like in motion design or you know like I guess in you know the kind of vegan industry I don't know whether you call it that but um you know it can if you have quite a niche show I think it's quite easy to do that kind of thing you just it just takes a bit of like planning prep a bit of building the relationships and I feel like having that at the beginning can really help because when you're doing it every other week or every week after a while people are like oh yeah that's not new anymore or things like that and I feel like to be honest that's the harder bit when you've got to keep going and maybe people aren't as excited about it anymore because there's a new podcast or you know whatever um I think building relationships with other people in the industry like 
you know, everyone was saying um, has been really helpful to me. And like we've echoed a lot going on other people's podcasts that are aligned with your show is probably the best advice. And um, yeah, I also ask listeners to send us feedback on social media or share it with their friends if they find it helpful and things like that. And I feel like those things really help. Yeah, just just asking your audience to help you promote your podcast. Again, that's something that's really helped us as well. You know, just just finishing off saying, if you enjoyed this, you know, please go share it. Go put it in, in the WhatsApp group that you're in. Go put it on Facebook. Go put it in your LinkedIn. And people do. You know, if they really get on board with your mission, they want to help your podcast succeed. And this is something we've been, you know, overwhelmed with at, at Vegan Business Tribe. And I think that quite nicely leads in, into the last question I want to ask, which is one about activism. Because, you know, as I've said, for many of us, just having a vegan business or, or being a vegan business, it is our form of activism. And just because you've given up on eating animal products, it's still all going on. It's just that you've decided to walk away from it. So being a, a vegan, it's actually quite a neutral stance to take in some ways, because all you're really doing is just opting out. So, uh, and I'm going to stay with you uh, with this one at Hayley, but do you actually see, you know, your podcasting as being a platform for your veganism? Because I know that the Most and Hatch podcast, it isn't a vegan podcast, but do you get the opportunity just to plant some seeds there? Yeah, funnily enough, um, I have a friend who runs a vegan motion design business. So, um, you know, she's called Roxy. She's pretty awesome. And um, I had her on the show. And what, how we kind of framed it on the Motion Hatch podcast is, you know, we said, hey, this is Roxy. Um, she has a great you know, vegan animation studio called Vexquisite, if anyone's listening. Um, and um, yeah, we kind of phrased it as like, you know, she's going into a niche and this helps her to get clients. But off the back of that, I feel like we did, you know, we did plant some vegan seeds as well in that podcast. So I was pretty, I was pretty happy about that, if I'm honest. And um, because most of my audience are designers, there is a little bit of crossover there. And, and a lot of them are vegan have, and have kind of gone like, oh, I didn't know that you were vegan too. That's cool. And I, I feel like that just helps a little bit too. Um, but I, I have, feel like I'm, you know, I, I joined a vegan business tribe because I wanted to explore this idea of maybe in the future, I will create some sort of vegan business that will help other businesses or something like that. I don't know. Um, I know there's something in my future around that. I'm not quite sure what that is yet, but I look, I look at motion hatch and I look at the, what I'm doing now is my like training ground for whatever I'm going to do next. So my passion is to, you know, really help Motion Hatch to grow and empower other people to help me to run it too, so that maybe I could focus some more on on whatever my vegan activi activism will be, basically. Oh, and Hayley, I absolutely love that. And, I, you know, I, I look back at previous businesses that I've had now, and yes, I've seen that they have been training ground just for us launching Vegan Business Tribe, but I didn't know it until, until we actually got to, to where we are now. Uh, Jim, let me come to you on this one. So as somebody who has really embraced that bloody vegans moniker, um, how much is having the podcast tied to your own personal vegan mission? I mean, a hundred percent. There wasn't really any other intention behind it, um, you know, from the from the beginning, other than uh, there might be some folks who want to find out more about veganism. There's lots of myths and legends that I want to be part of busting, um, and there's lots of amazing stories to tell. Um, so it's very much in that space, um, and and I'd want it to, you know, continue in that space. Really, I think, like you said. Um, veganism can be quite a, a passive thing you can almost think like job done you know like i've i've made the switch uh i am now like 
you know, in the holier than thou kind of position. Um, and I think there's always more we can be doing, you know, in every space, whether it's kind of like from an intersectional viewpoint, whether it's directly about veganism, there's always more we can do. Um, and so this was my own little way of doing it. I've often said, like, if I was a little bit braver, I'd be a hunt sab instead. But, um, uh, the, the, you know, podcasting and, and, and tech and stuff is kind of where I, I feel comfortable. So that's where I found my little niche. Um, and if I can amplify the voices of some others along the way, then that's that's kind of the, the purpose. So, yeah, I think for me, it can absolutely be a really valid form of, of activism as can running a business as can, you know, what, whatever it is you're doing, I think making, you know, more of us doing more things is kind of like uh, normalizing things is actually its own, its own way to us moving more, you know, closer towards a vegan world. Absolutely. And I've heard so many activists say, start with the skills you have. You know, th that's how we ended up doing this. I think that's that's why a lot of us end up having vegan businesses in the first place. But let me just come to Katrina finally on this one, because I think, Katrina, you've probably done more than any of us will ever be able to do to give publicity to the vegan movement. And I actually think that if you hadn't chosen to move to Australia, then it would be just that little bit less vegan progressive as it is now. So how much does your activism play a part in your podcasting especially? It's an interesting one because like um because I've been vegan for 25 years and even before that I started doing animal activism in the late 80s so I've been outside vivisection labs in the UK I'm from the UK originally I've been chased by riot police through fields in the mid 90s so 25 years ago I was able to run faster then which was good so I didn't get caught um so I've kind of done a lot of that direct action and it's interesting when I and then when I became a journalist I always gravitated towards as much as I could writing about social justice issues um uh, you know for people and, and animals and planet and I think when I funny when I wrote the book in 2015 I started to go into you know kind of help how can I help vegan business owners and entrepreneurs I actually had a friend who's a vegan activist said oh how come you've um stopped doing activism and moved into the business world and I said are you kidding me I said you've got to make it as easy as possible for people to eat the vegan products. Now, once you've shown them the awful cruelty that happens to animals, not everybody is like people like you and I who will deprive ourselves of Twix and vegan with that uh, pizza without cheese for a quarter of a century. Most people won't. So running a vegan business is a form of activism. And I said that in the book and I say it on, on the show. And so I feel like, and it's not necessarily an age thing. I was going to say, because I guess my activism has changed throughout the years. So I'm not really doing a lot of, you know, on the streets kind of stuff. I might go on an occasional march, but do you know what I mean? I'm not going to be running through fields being chased by riot police anymore, probably. Never know, never say never. Um, so, I, But it's not necessarily an age thing. Patty Mark, who's an amazing Australian activist in her 60s, up on roofs, awesome. But I just think you do what is right for you at any particular stage in your life. And so for me, it is yeah I guess doing the podcast telling the stories like like Jim said giving voice to other people showcasing them promoting veganism getting it in the media demystifying it and you know making it this amazing thing um so yeah I guess is the the answer to that the activism comes in all forms and I, I get quite annoyed actually when I see sometimes on social media people go oh you haven't turned if you don't turn up to a protest you're not a proper activist and it's like no and to be fair and I know you said okay maybe it's a bit passive being vegan but 
we know we're still not in a world where vegans are loved the way we should and in the numbers. So I actually do think that just by being vegan, that is a form of activism. And if that's all you can do, good on you. If, you know, online petitions are your thing. There are some people who write letters. My friend Karen Dawn runs Dawn Watch in the US where she sends out mainstream media stories around animals and vegans. And then says, right, write a letter to the editor and gives you little instructions to do it. And there are some people who get letters in the Los Angeles Times regularly giving this other side. So I think activism comes in all forms and I love it. And yes, podcasting is one of them. That's my bit of a long answer to that one. I absolutely love that, Katrina. No, I absolutely love it. Thank you so much for that because, you know, we... That's why we're all here today, you know, and it's it, it, it very easy to forget that part of, you know, what we're doing, why we're doing. And, and, and as I've said, I've had so many activists tell me, you know, start with the skills you've got. And that's at the heart of what we're doing at Vegan Business Tribe as well. So that was a perfect answer. OK, we're, we're pretty much coming up to time now. So I'm, I'm just going to round up with one quick um, uh, question, just a very quickly answer, pretty much in a sentence. So I want to get some last tips. So for anyone who's been listening to this and they're thinking, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start up my own podcast. I'm going to just go around the room and get your one bit of advice to anyone thinking about launching their own podcast. So Hayley, let's come to you first. What's your one takeaway tip? Yeah, I think my takeaway would be, and it probably works for like most business things, podcasts included, but think about um, what problem you're trying to solve for like who basically and then I feel like you'll be on some sort of the right track you know because you've got to think about what's the problem I'm I'm solving and who's it for and then if you have that clear and you can make it clear to everyone else then I feel like you'll be in a good position to do a really good podcast. Perfect advice I absolutely love that. Uh, Katrina what's your one golden nugget of advice to someone thinking about launching their own podcast? I'm going to be a little bit naughty here. I'm going to try and weave something into into one. I would say find something that you're really interested in and passionate about and enjoy because that will then keep you consistent uh, to be able to to keep it going. And then in turn, when you're consistent and you get known for something, then some business opportunities can occur. There we go. That was a bit cheeky. I know it's kind of more than one tip rolled into three little tips rolled into a big tip. (laughs) <laughs> we'll let you have it, Katrina. That was absolutely perfect. <laughs> and finally, Jim, what, what, what's your one golden nugget to take away? I'll, I'll probably misquote this, um, but but um, you, you miss 100% of the chance of the shots you don't take. You know, so I just think go and go and do something, create something, make make whatever it is, make it, and then then worry about improving it, then worry about audio, then worry about marketing, whatever. Just go out and do stuff. Uh, I think that's 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 for what it's worth would be my my two penneth it is wonderful advice and i think sometimes if you become a fan of a podcaster it's worthwhile going seeing if you can find their episode one and two just to listen to them and see how far they've come please don't mine's terrible (laughs) 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 gotta go rush off and find that as soon as we finish and i I think I'll, i'll just throw my own into there as well i think the one thing i've learned to make a good podcast is um we've already touched on this but to be a big consumer of podcasts as well you know so go find a podcast that you really love and just learn from it and i think the vegan business tribe podcast it's probably a combination of three or four podcasts that i listen to a lot and that that i found really useful so i think that's really good 
just for keeping that motivation and keeping that fresh as well. Can I just quickly add something in there, David? I think that's really important because sometimes people think, oh, podcasting's on trend, therefore I'll go and start a podcast. But I don't think that's going to work because you're not going to stay with it. And I love what you said about listening to the types of podcasts. One of the reasons I started conversations with vegan women leaders is because I love listening to Oprah and having a guest and Jay Shetty and all of these kind of people. And I, and I actually refer to conversations as a cross between, you know, Oprah and Jay Shetty only with a vegan twist. So I think that's really important. I think as well as having that business mind about it and solving the problem and all that is great, but I think it's got to be something that you enjoy and you're not just doing it because it's the place to be because you can pretty much get bored of that and people will pick up on it. Katrina Fox, the Oprah of a vegan world. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> what a brilliant place to finish. So so uh, all that leaves me now to do is to say thank you to, to our three guests. So we were joined by the amazing Katrina Fox from the Vegan Business Talk podcast and Conversations with Vegan Women Leaders podcast. So Katrina, if someone wants to find out more about you and all the different things that you do, what's the best place for them to do that? If you're interested in the whole vegan business side of things, uh, veganbusinessmedia.com. That's veganbusinessmedia.com. And for the vegan women's stuff, it's um, thevivasnetwork.com. We absolutely love the Vivas Network and we love being part of it. And we're also joined by Hayley Aikins from the Motion Hatch podcast. And Hayley, if people want to find out more about what you do in Motion Hatch, where do they go? Yeah, so you can go to motionhatch.com. I'd love to hear from anyone, really. So if you want to send me an email, it's just hello at motionhatch.com, um, especially if you're a creative. I feel like there's something there between veganism and creatives. I feel like I'd I'd love to talk to those people out there about that. And um, yeah, I'm just really honored to be on this panel. And um, I think it's really excited to be you know with Katrina and Jim and you, David, as well. So thanks so much. Oh, it's been brilliant to have you as well. And finally, we do have Jim Moore from the Bloody Vegan podcast so jim you've got a lot of exciting stuff going on at the moment so where can people find out more uh yes yeah, so if they head to www.thebloodyveganspodcast.co.uk or uh, likewise you can email me at jim at thebloodyveganspodcast.co.uk um and you can find out more about the podcast itself and soon enough if you need some help with your own podcast uh you can reach out to me too so if you want to take the pain out of editing then uh by all means reach out and thank you so much, David, for the opportunity to speak with these wonderful folks. It's great to yeah, be with Hayley likewise. and Katrina uh, and yourself. This so is lovely. You. I've learned so much as well, you know, from both of you. And I love it. I'll definitely contact you, Hayley, about the whole vegan, veganism and creatives. I think there's stuff around that, things called NFTs and creative. There's whole things going on there. So I, I've, I'll definitely love to connect with you. But thank you, David, for putting this on. It's been fabulous. I've really enjoyed it. Now, this is going to just turn into a vegan loving now. So I think we have to bring this to an end. So it just leaves me to say that you can find all of today's guests' podcasts, including our own Vegan Business Tribe podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your pods. So thank you just in return to all of you. You know, as always, we really appreciate you giving up your time to take part of this and helping vegan businesses move on. And if you've been listening or watching to this session too, then we also appreciate your time as well just for getting involved. This has been a brilliant session and we really must do something like this again. So thank you all. And how great was that? And again, 
Just to finish off, I want to give thanks to Katrina, Jim and Haley just for giving up time from their very busy schedules to make this session happen. And I think Katrina especially had to stay up way past her bedtime. Well, way up beyond what my bedtime would be to join us from Sydney, Australia. And if you really found this special extended episode useful, or if you know anybody in the vegan world who is thinking about starting up their own podcast then please do share this episode with them because our mission at vegan business tribe is to skill up vegan business owners to help them make a bigger impact on the world and the only way we can do this is if we get information like this into the ears and the minds and the hearts of more vegan business owners so just sharing this podcast with your own podcast or on your linkedin or your social media, it's a really big thing for us because it really helps us do just that. And I always feel like I'm asking a lot of you as a podcast listener, and I know I keep pestering you to share what we're doing, but I also know that we're both on the same mission. So I'm going to keep asking you anyway. So if you can make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast, or if you're listening on a platform like iTunes that lets you give a thumbs up or to leave a five-star review, all this, it really helps tell the platforms that this is a podcast that people think is worth listening to. And finally, if you do want to engage with myself and Lisa, then we do hold a welcome one-to-one session on Zoom with every new member who signs up to Vegan Business Tribe. And we would love to know more about your vegan business or just your idea for one, just to see how we can help. So just head over to veganbusinesstribe.com. Click on the big join button on the website homepage and you'll see everything that you get access to as a Vegan Business Tribe member. Okay, that is it. And as always, I really appreciate you giving up your time to listen. Hopefully, you'll get to join me for another celebration at episode 100 in another year's time. And I will see you on the next one. <laughs>